everybody. Welcome to episode 106 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host of this show, Paul Robinson. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so we made a promise. Yes, we did. And and the promise has come through. We have a it guest. It was a big risk. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a guest. Mm-hmm. And you can introduce yourself now. Um, my name is Jody Lipes. As in the cinematographer. Yeah. As in the awesome yeah. cinematographer. Yeah. We actually got him. Yeah. <laughs> got him. I had to pay a lot of people for this. Yeah. <laughs> I joke. We have no money. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so we uh, we had actually, we reviewed, I know this much is true last week because I, just, I didn't want to bombard you with that because I was like, all right, he just worked on this and he's going to be like, I've, you know, I, I've done other work, guys. So, so I was like, let me get at least three quarters of it out of my system in one episode. So we just went over like characters and, and direction and everything. And then I was like, all right, we'll finish off <laughs> if he comes on. So he's not like, all right, that's enough of that. Yeah. So, um, you, you got, we can talk about whatever you want. Uh, it's totally your choice. This, don't, don't, uh, don't I just, uh, I, I can't, I just, this show is so good. <laughs> it's just so good. It's probably like, and that's, you know, we, gushed over it and the, one of the reasons we were so happy to have you on is that we both feel it's probably one of the best shows we've seen easily this year probably in a very long time i, I would and say hands a lot down of that, was the best thing i've seen this year yeah oh for sure this year but you know a long time and and just the the visual aspect for me as a filmmaker who's someone who you know, takes extra. Don't short yourself, sir. You are a DP. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. But, but someone who is, is sometimes overly critical of, of yeah. stuff when I when I watch it, not like judging people, but just you know, I have a yeah, you know picking things up. Yeah, exactly. So um, I just was I just fell in love with the show because we got Mark Ruffalo, right? You got can't go wrong with Mark Ruffalo. He's he's a genius. But then like Philip Ettinger, Melissa Leo, so good. But the the, the lighting of this show is really just what brought it home you know because uh, i don't know i don't know did you have so know. i don't so, know what to say uh, but it's like can you take us through the process of um your look basically for this um yeah that's uh it's a big question hmm. um is there something specific that you guys want to like or did you know going in i guess lighting wise and everything i did was there a a, a specific look that you were going for or was, or did you have free reign on that? Um, well, I think, you know, to me, my, my favorite way, like on a long form project to discover the look of something is not so much by like bringing in images and, you know, sort of, deciding beforehand which mm -hmm. can happen and you know there can be elements that you draw from obviously and that can be exciting um and things that like a director can can show to you that will really open up how you think about it but it's more so um i try to get all of the elements that i can together that are sort of like confirmed mm -hmm. and put them into a test so i try to actually like you know, if we have locations we know we're going to be using, <clears throat> I like to do a test at that location. I mm -hmm. like to mm -hmm. use the actors that we can get at that location 
Um, I like to use the, you know, the format we're going to probably be using or like, you know, test like two or three that we're considering. So through the process of doing um, that testing and then taking that footage and then having Derek's uh, editor sort of cut it down into almost like a little sort of poetic um, short film uh -huh. vignette thing, you know, um, and then like grade that, that to me is kind of like how I find the look for something. It's like, there'll be a shot that'll come up and it's like, oh, that's the, that's the shot. Like that feels right. That feels like the movie. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then I can sort of think about based on that sort of emotional reaction I have, I can then think about why does that feel like the movie? Right. Did you have a, a lot of time for pre-production on it? Yeah, so I started the first week of January, mm -hmm. and we started shooting, um, I think it was the middle of April. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I had I had some time. Um, I took a week off in there because my younger child was, was born, like, two weeks before we started shooting. Oh, congrats. Um, congrats. Yeah, so that, I had, like, a week off in there, but besides that, yeah, so it was a little over three months. Um and, you know, a lot of that time was um, kind of focused on talking about, like, the twinning stuff and how we were going to yeah. do that and how, was that, gonna, how that was going to be accomplished. Um, yeah, and then, I need like, to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, go for it, whatever whatever you want to. I have to say, not, not just, it's not just because you're on the show, I swear. Um, <laughs> that is, like... That is one of the best examples that I've seen of that because you, you often see this effect um, and it doesn't always work. Yeah. You know, there's this weird, you know, you could see that the avoidance on crossovers and, you know, it's just like, there's just something that looks a little off about it. But there were, I actually, we talked about this last week. I thought that Philip Ettinger was actually a twin. Yeah. Um, yeah. obviously I know Mark Ruffalo isn't even following his career forever, but I thought, okay, well, I know with the kids, they had to have gotten twins because of labor mm -hmm. laws. So I just assumed that Philip Ettinger was also a twin. And Paul was like, no, that's just one guy. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, just, uh, cause, uh, you know, it's obviously just the, um, the art of a good actor and being able to change expression and just the gait on the way you walk, one person walks one way yeah. and just that character development. Uh, but that was just so beautifully done. Uh, can you tell us more about that process? Yeah. I mean, I think from the very beginning, um, Derek and I were both kind of Derek in front of the director and yes. I were both, um, really, I think like nervous is the right word or sort of like uh, hesitant um, or concerned about doing that mm -hmm. the wrong way. Um, I think part of that for me was just like a technical fear. Like I had never done it before. I had never used motion control, which is like a very common tool that people use to, to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just nervous about having to learn those things and having to learn those things kind of in the presence or like on the stage of like working with Derek, who's one of my heroes, you know, and for working with him for the first time. So yeah, he's, that he's was, amazing. Yeah. So that was scary. And I think Derek was just scared of it, not feeling right more than anything. And so he, <clears throat> from the beginning was kind of like, Oh, well, it's going to be like heat, you know, and heat, 
you never see Pacino and De Niro's face on screen at the same time mm-hmm. you know like they're two sides of a coin and that's the idea and it is executed sort of flawlessly by by michael mann in that movie where you just they literally are never uh, on screen at the same time um and as i got to know derek better i started to realize that that was not really gonna be the reality of shooting Mm-hmm. that it would never really be that controlled. It yeah. would never be that um, uh, specific. Um, and so it started to become clear to me that um, we needed to figure out like how that was actually going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, like we need to plan for sort of always seeing both of them at the same time. Yeah, because there's a lot of interaction. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interaction. So there, like, it had to really be like all of the tools that you use to do that, like head replacement mm-hmm. and, and yeah. doubles and motion control and all those things. But I think ultimately, you know, there were films that we discussed besides Heat, like Dead Ringers, which I think Derek admired for, I don't know if you guys know that Cronenberg movie, mm-hmm. Dead Ringers, um, with Jeremy Irons, but it, it's, um, it's very like subtle it's not showy it's very um it's very kind of like sparingly used mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's it's almost almost the point where it's like almost avoided but you don't feel it you don't feel that they're avoiding it yeah and so yeah. that was kind of a important <clears throat> work for Derek to um to you know to look at with me and um and then for me like i thought adaptation was actually really good yeah. too i just remember like that wasn't a movie really i really thought about the technology very much and i actually really you know it's like one of the few times where i've really been totally lost in mm-hmm. nicholas cage's performance to the point where it's like, i had that same reaction it's like it really feels like two people to me yeah. um and so and i think the philosophy there generally speaking was like show them together once in a scene and then once you do you kind of like forget about it and like you don't need to like do that trick again um but but then the the real like wrench in the plans was just that and the thing that makes it so incredible was that Derek from day one knew that he wanted Mark to gain 30 35 pounds in between um acting as Dominic and acting as Thomas and just sort of the logistical and technical obstacles of making that happen were gigantic. And so, so that was the thing was like, how do you do that? Like how, how can you possibly do that? And what Derek always says is like, you know, whenever I watch a twinning movie, it's like, I feel like they shot one side and then they went to Mm -hmm. lunch and then Mm -hmm. they, after lunch, they shot the other side and you can kind of feel they like changed his eyebrows or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's just distracting. And he wanted it to be more dramatic than that because he felt like in terms of at a character level that, yeah, when they're kids, they're very physically alike, but as they age and as Thomas has been sort of institutionalized on and off and on medication and, you know, his body is different than Dominic, Dominic's body. Yeah. Um, and a fat suit just isn't going to, no do the trick so so anyway that that was the thing was like shooting dominic for 17 weeks um taking i think six weeks to shoot other things um and then coming back and shooting thomas at the end 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, how do you match those shots? Like sometimes four months apart, you're literally shooting the exact same setup yeah. Yeah. four months apart. And how do you, how do you make that feel the same? So that was kind of, yeah, that was a daunting task. <laughs> I love that you guys were nervous about it. That makes me feel good. Yeah. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a terrible way, but just that, you know, like you got, I mean, you know, Derek is, he's done amazing stuff. I mean, he's a place beyond the pines and blue Valentine, which was like one of my favorite movies ever. And, uh, you know, you've done Manchester by the sea and the center. I mean, you do great. You guys are like high caliber. And to know that even you're like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's think this through, you know, because I feel well, I like think, a lot of people rush right into it. I think, um, the you know the fear to me is is a sign that you are trying you know yeah. and that you're not just going to settle for something that you that isn't a risk and isn't special yeah you know what i mean it's kind of like that's i think that is the thing about that everyone would say about working with Derek is he makes you feel like you're walking on a tightrope and that like at any moment you could fall off and just be doing like the worst work of your life. (laughs) But like, as long as you can like stay up there, you're doing the best work of your life because you're so kind of attentive at all times. And like, you're so you're trying harder than you ever have at all times, because it's just, you have to be kind of like on your game to mm-hmm. to keep up with him because he just cares so much and he he will never stop trying to make it better and that's kind of like my favorite kind of a filmmaker so that that fear is just it's like if you're not afraid you're probably like not not challenging, challenging yourself, yourself. Yeah. yeah it's definitely it's and too I, safe I, yeah i had a, a cinematography teacher in college who um you know, had done some really cool stuff. He was he was in his eighties, I think, at that point. But you know, when he was younger, he'd done some pretty cool movies and stuff. And um, I remember him saying, like, you know, I knew it was time to stop when I could fall asleep the night before a shoot. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And okay, yeah. I think there's you know there's some truth to that. And Derek is definitely like the person that will really you know make you feel that fear in the best possible way yeah i think there's this something i mean we've talked about it before but i i I love that feeling of of anxiety and and um like on set you know when it coming to the shoot forget it it's like this is gonna be the worst thing ever i don't know why we're doing this (laughs) should just sell everything blah 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 and then you get on set you know you get you you get as prepared as possible and then you know you get ready to throw everything away if you need to blah 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 Mm -hmm. but then like just that when something when, when something happens and you have that moment of like shit this light's not working uh you know the it's literally not working or this setup isn't working and now what everyone's staring at you to figure it out like for me i don't know i love that i lo- cuz it's just like it's just like that that you ha- it's you're forced to be creative in that moment and um i don't know there's just something that i i like about that kind of stress yeah, you know, I mean, it also, I mean I, there is a line, obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. you know, we're, you know, we're still lucky enough to be on kind of, um, you know, we're not dealing with studios or, you know, millions of dollars or any of that stuff. So, you know, that could all change someday. 
hopefully. Um, but for now, I don't know. I just, I love that. And it's like invigorating to like figure it out. And then especially if it does work, it's like the best feeling. Yeah, totally. And I think sometimes, you know, I find myself on a shoot. It's like, yeah, you get so um, engulfed by what you're doing in that moment that like everything else in your life can kind of fall away. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's it's a little bit of like a drug in that way, too, which is not always a good thing. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it's great because it's like nice to have just one thing to think about sometimes. Yeah. but yeah, I think it can kind of go both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 I do I do like that, but I I probably like like you know, I like when things go to plan as well. <laughs> it's not like I'm always looking for that that high like somebody break something, let's do this. <laughs> uh, cuz I I'm pretty meticulous prior to a shoot, especially the last couple films with storyboarding things and test shooting and and all that stuff mm-hmm. and I think it's only that you know, especially with something that like this, you know, having, you know, with something like that that you just did, which is so technical, having yeah. that that preparation side of it is even that much more important. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the the kind of ultimate goal though is to sort of like, even though you're shooting twinning stuff which is yeah like in theory is very technical is to kind of not allow the technology to dictate what you're doing Mm -hmm. you know to be able to like you said to be able to like really throw it all away and just say okay if there was two actors in the room which there were because mark had an acting partner Mm -hmm. you know how would we shoot this that we don't need to let like the idea that it's going to be a visual effect in some way or not like shape the way that we're choosing to photograph this moment, you know? So I think that's, that's one of the hardest things is like getting to a place where you can throw away that stuff. And I think that was, that was really how, you know, we came to decide to shoot the end of episode one as a, as a handheld one which is the scene when Thomas is taken in by police and, and admitted to the forensic hospital and, you know, the, that was sort of like, that was the first twinning scene that Derek and I really had an idea about, like that this is how we could do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really involved sort of, you know, once we sort of got to the point where it's like, okay, well, doing this like heat is not really a reality. Then it became like very stifling because it was like, oh, so like do all this really kind of technical stuff and it's going to get in the way of like Mark acting and it's going to get in the way of us just working the way we like to work and it's going to be such a burden. And if we want to shoot this way, there's going to be this obstacle. Like if we want to shoot handheld, the visual effects people are going to say like, there's a problem with this and there's a problem with that. And this is harder and that's harder. And it really became stifling to the point where it was like, okay, we have to forget all of that. Like how would we just, be wanting to shoot this period like forget that it's a twinning movie and that's when i think the best ideas emerge and it just took a lot to kind of get to that point where we realized like throw this away and just kind of use your um your gut to tell you what is the right way to approach this yeah yeah and i'd imagine um like 
Mark Ruffalo is like one of my favorite actors and someone that's like, I, I haven't given up on the dream yet. I will, I will work with him one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, realistically, it's not going to happen. He's but like, in, you don't want to, he's a jerk. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> in my head, it will. Um, but that, like that, it, you mentioned the Warner scene. I was, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, like you said, you have, you, you have Mark having to be in one headspace and then however many weeks later having Six to weeks, go yeah. into a separate headspace and now 30 pounds heavier, which I can only imagine does physically affect you, how you feel, you know, when you have extra weight that you don't normally have on. And mm-hmm. so that only adds to, you know, the acting. But how long did that scene take? Because as we watched it, we were like, this is going to be a one we already know it because it, you know, it was just like <laughs> sensing. I was like, this is going to be an awesome mm-hmm. one I know it. <laughs> and yeah. it was and it was like, oh, so uh, I was just curious, like what it was like filming that that looked so intense to do. Um, well, um, that was a very distinct scene in terms of just like the way it was shot and the, you know, the way we prepared for it and, um, all that stuff. So it was, it's kind of, it's a little bit of an outlier, I guess, but, um, but it was, you know, when I I first have the idea of like let's do this as one and maybe it could be like this and it could feel a little bit like you know like Son of Saul or like the Dardan brothers or sort mm-hmm. of that that feeling of you know when you're handheld and you're really close and sort of like stuck to someone's back yeah. and it can create a sense of um like a kinetic energy and it can create a sense of like claustrophobia yeah i was gonna say for sure it was really you felt closed in yeah yeah and i think like you know in for me in son of saul it feels have you guys seen that movie son of saul no yeah you should should check it out it's a it's a holocaust film that came out a few years ago but it's um sort of all told from this one character's perspective and the way it it feels is like because you're kind of stuck to the back of his head and it's all sort of like these handheld oneers um you feel like anything could happen at any time from off screen and to me that really like rung true as like a visual way of an you know expressing how it might feel being in an environment where you could be killed for no reason at any time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is sort of like you can't see what's coming at you and there's no way to escape that pressure. Um, so like, I feel like that worked really well in Son of Saul. And for me in this situation with this scene at the end of episode one, it was a little bit more like Dominic's rage and Dominic's kind of like, um, powerlessness um that are evoked from this way of looking at the scene because it's sort of like he it's like you you're so mad you're so in it that you can you barely can like see what's going on around you like you sort of see these like snapshots of things around you as you're kind of like scanning the room yeah Yeah. um and so like that was kind of the the emotion that i was going for just visually um 
but then you know it was like okay one thing to have an idea and another thing to do this like very very technical thing that involves you know heavy vfx work and a lot of like um carefully orchestrated blocking and things like that and so Derek was really excited by the idea and he told me to just sort of write it up so I sort of wrote out the whole scene based on this specific location and what actors might or might not do and I kind of presented it to like the whole team and then they started asking me all these questions about it and I was like well you know this is just a very rough idea of what this scene might be but we actually have no idea because it has to be led by the actors Uh Uh you know and so like we actually have to get in there with the actors and see the actors do it but the problem is that then like you know Derek refuses to and does not like to rehearse anything so we didn't rehearse anything in the entire film there's no marks there's no blocking but this was the one scene that you know I felt really strongly like we should have a day where we rehearse this. Um, And he agreed. And so we spent a day rehearsing it when Dominic, when Mark was still Dominic Mm -hmm. and all the, you know, all the actors came and gave uh, Fazio, who's Mark's acting partner played Thomas. And we went through the whole thing with a camera and just like tried to figure out, you know, with the actor's input and then like, Obviously, once Derek's in the room, like he's changing it and adjusting the shot that I first had kind of envisioned loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like he's making it better and Sam, the camera operator, is making it better and Mark is making it better and sort of like honing it in and honing it in. And then at the end of that rehearsal day where we had recorded just on on digital, we had recorded a bunch of takes of it. You know, we watched it together and Derek like picked... Um, you know, a take that he thought was like representative of what he wanted it to be like. And we talked about it with Eric Pascarelli, who's the visual effects supervisor. And he was like, this is super easy. This is like a very, very simple thing to do in terms of twinning and in terms of visual effects. And so mm-hmm. kind of like in a very roundabout way, we had thrown out all this very technical stuff to come up with this idea and not worry about how complicated and how technical it was going to be. And then it turned out it was really, really easy and simple. So it like right. wasn't tech, you know? So it was yeah. like by not being afraid of all that stuff, we actually got to like a very, very simple solution. Yeah. yeah Where just... Then, you know, we came back six weeks or however, you know, a couple months later with Mark as Thomas. And we just had to do a couple like locked off, very simple shots of him as Thomas and one very simple like pre-programmed motion control shot, which mm. is a super, like easy thing to do. And and it was all done. So it was like, it worked out like it was sort of the best of both worlds. It was very free. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't limited by the technology. And then in terms of that end of things, it was super simple for us to shoot. Yeah, the sort of elements we needed after the fact. Yeah, you can easily overthink stuff like that and try to, you know, to your point of like not letting the technology kind of dictate what you want to do and just shoot, just figure out what you want to do and then yeah. figure out what technical hurdles you have and then then you can decide whether to yeah, tackle exactly, them or, yeah. or not. Yeah. 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 Do you have um, do you have a, a, a weapon of choice when it comes to cameras? Um, well, 
I guess, I mean, you know, we shot on film for, for the show. Um, and so that, you know, that's kind of like, uh, I'm sort of usually like an airy guy. I don't have strong feelings about that, but mm-hmm. the, you know, the, com- the company Aeroflex is like generally where I'm going to go if I'm shooting film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like more comfortable with that stuff, uh-huh. but um, it really com- comes down to like the glass more than it does yep. the, the camera body yep. um, in terms of like choosing between those companies and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of digital, like I, I usually shoot Alexa. That's usually my go to there. Yeah, we we always just ask because we've um, when actually when we started with the podcast and stuff, we just noticed that a lot. There was uh with some people, there was just kind of this, uh, this, this weird obsession with only filming on one thing and just kind of being, the, mm-hmm. you know, and at that time it was like, everybody just wanted to film on a red and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, on, on our level, of course, <laughs> but you know, we, for us, it was always like, you know, it's, it's great if you have a better camera or, you know, a body that's known for giving you this, this look or that look, or is better for with what you're doing. But uh, what we always found so interesting was that people would have this camera and then not really invest anything in their lenses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you'd watch something and go, oh, this was filmed on X, Y, and Z. And you're like, where, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it does, it, it looks like it was filmed on a DSLR. Like you did, you know, did you yeah. put any like other lens on there? Like, did you, you know, uh, so I, I, it's interesting that you say that. I, I feel like most of the DPs that we've spoken to, they've all pretty much said that, like they work with what they have. And they kind of go more for the lenses, like the lenses that they're are more yeah. important to them than than the camera. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think in this case, you know, because it was shot on film, yeah. I think that's kind of the more like overwhelming, um, like textural feeling that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lenses we used were actually kind of like more subtle because. It was, you know, like the the texture of the film, the way we exposed the film, the way we graded the film, all those things, like that's where the look really was. And then it didn't feel to us like we needed a heavier, um, like stylized lens on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was almost like the lens, you know. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the time, yeah, the glass is going to be the thing that like that distinguishes it. That's true. I think grading was was really was really really good. It 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 had that eighties feel, you know, like you said, a lot of times you watch things that are, it's a period piece and it, it feels kind of forced and Mm -hmm. it's, it's overlit in a way, you know, and it's like, something's trying to look like it's in the eighties, but that just, and then the film also helps that it, that it's, that was, that it was on film, but it had, it just had this very authentic, uh, feel to it. Yeah. The, the, you know, to just like you said, the texture of, of the, of the look of everything was just so that was a good tone. spot on, you know, nice, nice tone to that. Now you've also, uh, you've, you, you've, you've done did, some other you, things. <laughs> <laughs> Is this not the only thing you've ever done? Okay. Um, now you, you are a director as well, correct? Um, yeah, I've directed a little bit. Um, it's been a while, but yeah, I've, I've done some stuff. Do you, well, I mean, I would assume you prefer cinematography or do you, or do you like them both? Um, right now for the past few years, I've been really focused on shooting and, um, that's kind of what I'm wanting to do, uh, in the future now as well. But, um, you know, I could, could change. Um, there was definitely a time when I was, um, 
a few years ago and I was just ready to stop shooting. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I was, I was kind of, um, I was at a point, a very like sort of dark period <laughs> with shooting and I just didn't want to spend my energy that way anymore. And mm -hmm. I was much more focused on trying to get my own projects made. Um, but then like the, the films that I was lucky enough to be able to work on um, at that point really turned around how I felt about shooting. And I feel much more um, that I am a DP and I want to be a DP now than I have ever have in my life. Interesting. Um, and I think that the very first project that really started to turn that around for me was a comedy special that I shot for Gerard Carmichael. Mm -hmm. um, it was like the first project I think that he had ever directed and it's called Drew Michael. And it was just so invigorating to work with Gerard because he's just such a film um he's such a connoisseur of movies and he's has such an interesting opinion about them mm -hmm. and he really wants to do things in a new way and so it was really refreshing to to be someone who was sort of like striving that hard again after a while and um and then you know that to transitioned into the mr rogers movie which is also a really positive experience right. and then this show right after that so it's been a good few years and you did uh manchester by the sea correct yes yeah what was that like um that was uh that was a very difficult movie that was <laughs> a really hard experience hmm. um you know it's something i always knew was going to be a great film, mm -hmm. um, you know, while we were making it, but it was just very difficult while we were making it. I feel like films are like relationships, you know, when you talk about a film yeah. and you're like, what was this film like? You're like, oh, that was a different time for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, we, uh, we hit it off really well in the beginning and somewhere I have no ill will towards just went it, wrong. But I just, yeah. <laughs> It was a love-hate thing, and uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is like a relationship. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you spend a lot of time, obviously, a lot of huge commitment on it. and Yeah, it's, it's very a, intense time commitment, like very, with a lot of people mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that you see all the time for, you know, a short period of time, and then it's over. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and those those the relationships on set are so important. And you know, we've been we've lucky enough out, but to that we imagine. haven't had to deal with you know egos and and all that crap. And again, we're on a much smaller scale, obviously. But you know, and I have the flexibility to say, uh, you're an asshole. You're not on my <laughs> you're not on my set anymore. Thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I just. I don't know. I, I just. I love making films, and I it, it's fun and and challenging and scary and, and and all that stuff and to have somebody come in and you know i think on that level if you you're not gonna always jive with everybody and if no you it's don't, impossible to that's yeah. gotta be i mean we've never had that i've never had that experience but yeah i can't imagine and this isn't we've never like had shooting. a set bigger than like 15 people either so <laughs> shooting for months instead of you know we're shooting for days to a week and, yeah, and if yeah. you're spending months of your life on a set where things are just tough like that's how you adapt to that and yeah yeah it's it can be a, a pressure cooker and um 
it's also like um you know the 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 time factor um the money mm-hmm. sort of like you know you can hear it kind of clicking through yeah. and um and yeah people kind of there's a different um social expectation i think when there's that much on the line yeah um yeah for and sure. there's you know there's there's been a lot of you know rightly so there's been a lot of um change over the past few years about um you know the me too movement yeah um and that's a much more important thing than what i'm about to talk about but there is also this thing of like you know people can be um i'm not talking about a specific film here but like right. you know in this situation when it's a pressure cooker and there's money and there's time online people can be kind of abusive to each other sure not sexually just uh abusive like because you kind of forget your um your manners a little bit yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's just a different that's, there's like different rules that's definitely and I, the and i wonder how long that will kind of last maybe forever but maybe it'll <laughs> change soon yeah. yeah that's definitely like a side of the business or whatever you know the the, the art the whatever you want to call it that is so um you know, for us, you know, obviously it's not something we deal with a lot, but, you know, just it's so can so quickly take any of the, the joy of it out, you know? Um, and whatever, I get it. People are putting up millions of dollars and, and, you know, they can get a little tense and, and whatever, but at the same time, you know, these, all the people that are in a, on a film set are there to, are there because they're good at the job most of the time, (laughs) you know? And so, and so, you know, I think it's just, I don't know, I'm naive, but I feel like it's just advantageous to have a fun, not necessarily laid back, but like a a film set where people just feel comfortable and you're going to get better work. People are going to want to work harder for you and bringing that intensity in there really kind of just disrupts it a lot, I think. And, but you know, I mean, it is yeah. what it is. You deal I with think, it and, and then you, you move on to the next one. Yeah, I think, you know, there is an an upside, I think, to people being afraid. Um, there's also a big downside to it. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think if someone is afraid to, like, give you feedback or, you know, it's like, I need a red towel. You know, yeah. and it's like, okay, we have to, oh, we don't have any red towels. We have to go to the store to get a red towel. Oh, geez. Yeah. Take 45 minutes. And so, and then, you know, an hour and a half later, you, the person brings the red towel. It's like, why did that take so long? And it's like, well, we didn't have any red towels. So we had to go to the store to get a red towel. It's like, well, it didn't have to be red. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like yeah. If, if somebody just wasn't afraid and they could say, well, I have this orange one. Is that cool? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, and if then, it's not, it's like, no, it needs to be red. Okay. Then we'll get the red one. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, you know, there is that, uh, danger of, you know, making, you know, if you make people feel like they can't contribute or that they will be sort of like punished for contributing, like that's a dangerous thing yeah. because the, the filmmaker will lose out, you know? Yeah. Well, I will never do that on my set. If you ever want to come, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you ever want to like, I don't know. Slum it with slum a, down like yeah. forty notches. <laughs> but I, I wanted to. I, I didn't want to keep you too long. But I wanted to kind of 
ask you about your beginnings and, and kind of what led you down this path to begin with. Like, were you one of those, you know, running around at 12 years old with your friends making horror, bad horror films? Or like, how did you start this, this journey into, to where you are now? Um, I think, um, the, I guess the earliest thing I could trace it back to is just really liking movies a lot and having movies be a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I grew up really liking to go to the movies, but also it was like the the time of the VCR Yeah, Yeah. and, uh, and also like, you know, being able to like just catch like a great movie on TV that happened to be playing like at that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. and how exciting that could be. Um, and you know, we didn't have cable or anything, but like we had a video store and so, and my dad would kind of like obsessively, he would like rent movies and then he would, um, tape them. He would like tape the VHS to another VHS yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on long play mode so that you could get three features on a single tape. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time I was like in high school, we had, um, like a pretty huge, library with like a database and it had like a printed out like database oh wow oh wow look it up and you know he and my dad was really into like a lot of foreign films and stuff and so I was exposed to a lot of that stuff when I was pretty young and and also you know my dad was really into photography and he built a dark room in our basement with my grandfather and my brother was really into photography and so much cooler than my dad (laughs) (laughs) your family's way more fun like i don't know he left when i was like (laughs) (laughs) we didn't leave but he went to arizona when i was like 14 or something like that so take the mood and just crash it i don't know i'm over it it's fine i mean what was he doing in arizona uh he he remarried and then moved out there with the new wife and and kind of started like a life out there or whatever Mm-hmm. I mean, I still like, you know, I've, I talked to him a couple months ago. I still chat with him once in a while. But, um, yeah, he, he he had a lot of issues <laughs> dealing with alcoholism and, and yeah. all that stuff. So I think that that's but, also like uh, just on that, like saying, because you've got to be around our age then. Uh, I'm. I'm late 30s, yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. I'm 48. Okay, so yeah, it's, I think there's not to sound too crotchety, and you know, like you Get know, kids nowadays. But I think there's there's just something to growing up during the VCR era yeah. and having the local video store, and then you know, if you're really cool, you had a blockbuster somewhere. Um, but we, you know, we had the same. We had like this little independent video store, Video Time, and it looked like. It looked like some weird porn dungeon. It was always so dark and you yeah. couldn't see any of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, why is this place so dark all the time? <laughs> and, you know, you had everything was numerically uh, filed. And uh, if somebody had what you wanted, you just didn't get to see it. You know, it's just something. Yeah. No, that was way that. cooler than Blockbuster. I yeah. Mean, way cooler. Yeah. There's no comparison between that and Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, we had a Blockbuster, but it was it was way further. This, you know, our video store was like 3 blocks from us and then mm-hmm. Blockbuster came in my teens that was more Once they came but, in it was over. Yeah, but growing up having that independent cuz the the smaller places they had all the stuff that Blockbuster didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how yeah. I I watched all these really weird films that other kids all the other kids my age when I 
talk to them about these films. They're like, what? What are you talking? Because, you yeah. know, where are you seeing this? And uh, you know, I talk- they don't have it at Blockbuster. Yeah, uh-huh. they don't have it at Blockbuster. And I was watching like A Sinful Life and like Rude Awakening and like, these mm-hmm. strange movies that, mm-hmm. um, you know, nobody else was really in, in my age group was aware of. And so I... I don't know. I don't know that I'd say I'd go back to video stores, but I do miss it. Mm. I miss I miss my clerk days of like working at a video store. Nah, it's and, all over, mm-hmm. man. It's all online. <laughs> there was something to I that remember, struggle. I remember like going out and filming something on a VHS, and then wanted to edit music into it. So then I'd copy it over to another VHS, mm-hmm. but then use one of the yeah. audio channels to mix in the <laughs> audio and. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a disaster, but it was so fun. That's great. I wish I'd kept those things that I yeah. made weird little video yeah, montage I'm looking i'm looking at them actually i can see all of them there i'm up right above my desk oh yeah. that's cool on, on vhs tapes yeah I yeah that was that was the like the most exciting thing to me about the video store was like you'd rent it you'd watch it that night and then i would if i liked it a lot i would wake up really early the next morning i'd watch it again before i needed to bring it back hmm. and that you know like that was like so exciting like i'd be like the only person awake in my house and like <laughs> run downstairs to you know watch terminator 2 again or whatever and um yeah and that That's was good it, it's good it, it felt less um disposable yeah. yeah 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 and i i grew up without cable as well so i feel like there's something to that I, there's like not having that uh the ability yeah. to just watch it whenever you yeah, want it because yeah. it was on 40 times it was like yeah. you know we have x amount of money this week <laughs> in my household yeah. and it was like you get to rent a video yeah had or to there pick. would be like the thursday night you know arnold schwarzenegger movie or yeah whatever, like mm-hmm. on channel whatever and that was like you'd see that commercial for it and be like oh my god like tonight there's like you know <laughs> predator is gonna be on and you know watch it with your big brother like that was that that's those are some of my like best memories i have to say yeah Agreed, yeah. yeah yeah for sure i think it's an 80s it's an 80s kids thing yeah <laughs> and actually them. actually now that i think about the uh so on the mr rogers movie um one of the people who helped us with this sort of antiquated video equipment is this guy dave satin and he invented predator vision Oh, really? so I got to work. I got to work with him on the Mister Rogers movie, and yeah, he he must be hating life because now it's just like a plug-in in Premiere or something. <laughs> He's no, like, you know, I, same, I, I I invented this. It's not the same. Yeah, damn kids. Very true. That's is, awesome. Is there? Um, it's like a corny question, but is there a, is there a director that you would like to work with that you haven't? Uh, yeah, there's a Paul lot Robinson. of directors. Paul Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's there's many, um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all of the people you'd think I'd think, and then um, the the filmmaker who I think is just the most underrated in America, at least, who uh, you know I think is incredible, is um, James Gray. And uh, he he did that movie Ad Astra. Was his yes. Name? Oh, okay. Yes, I was. Th- I'm but, like, um, I know this name. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Okay. But he's he's made a lot of movies, and um, and that one was like a little bit of a departure for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, filmmaker. And um, yeah, so that would be a dream come true. Nice. We'll make it happen for you. Yeah. <laughs> just, pull, yeah. just pull my, just pull some strings. Give him a buzz. 
I'm not buzzed. Um, well, I mean, we just, we really appreciate you being on. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're one of the guests that I'm like, I'm going to just take a shot here. <laughs> I, I, Thank my you. theory no, is, look, I'm the worst, the worst could someone can do is say no or just not answer me, you know, yeah. and it happens. Uh, but every so often we get, uh, we just get someone who's like, yeah, sure. And, uh, you're, you're definitely in the list on one of the ones that I was like, definitely yeah. not going to answer. <laughs> and, you <know. laughs> and you did. Uh, Jessica Lee Yu was actually another one. Um, oh, yeah. She's great. She's, she's great. freaking amazing. She she's. Did you guys do do an episode with her? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Oh, cool. She was on like pretty early on, too. I think yeah. um, right after Escape from Danamora. She's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. She's and so nice. I reached out to her on Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, she's not going to answer me. She's not going to answer me. Um, and I <laughs> don't... <laughs> And, you know, I was, like, really getting into her work. And... Uh, yeah, we just watched Miss America. Yeah. Yeah, Miss America. Yeah, oh. but... Um, Miss America. Yeah, we had seen... Um, we, I mean, you know, we had just finished Escape from Dannemora. But the the funny thing was that um, when we had been watching Escape from Dannemora, we didn't know that she was the DP. Mm-hmm. And uh, so <laughs> it was like I had reached out to her. And uh, she she had agreed to be on. And uh, then we started watching Escape from Dannemora. And when her name came up, I was like, hold on. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait a minute. She did this too. And uh, she was just like super sweet about it. She was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, sure, I'll come on. Um, and she, the funny thing was she said something that I, I suspected, you know, would be the case. She was like, no one ever really wants to talk to the DP. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted yeah. to talk to the director and or the stars, um, yeah, yeah. the stars, course, and they, this, you know the who, who who's who's leading this film. That's who we want to talk yeah. to. And um, I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, you want to talk to directors and and the actors. I mean, I'm an actor, so I, I appreciate you know wanting to talk to an actor. But um, since we make our own films, it's just like, well, you know, what, you got to have a great DP. Like, why does no one? The people yeah. that aren't in film, they don't think of that. I think. Um, a lot of them assume that the director is actually manning the camera. I don't know about manning the camera, but I feel like... No, I've spoken... Like, people that are not into film at all, yeah, like yeah. at all, when I've talked to people, um, and I've just kind of, like, testing it, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what do you think about, like, who runs, like, who's actually filming it? And they're like, the director. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. No, I, they, I sometimes that. I think, they I do. Most, most of the time, if people ask me what I do for a living and I tell them they don't really... They either don't know at all what mm-hmm. um, what a cinematographer is, or they like have a vague idea. And I think it's I can totally understand that because I think it's it's like one of those jobs, like a producer or something. It's a very malleable position. Yeah. Um, I think like you know, like I didn't touch the camera like ninety eight percent of the time on this TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's sort of like, well, then it's like, well, what do you do? Yeah, right. You know, I and so it's like I can understand that a lot. And um it's I think it really is like project to project. Like a filmmaker like Derek's expectations about what a DP is gonna do mm-hmm. and how they can, you know, work for him are very different than someone like Marielle Heller, you know, who made the Mr. Rogers movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's sort of job to job and it's hard to kind of explain the you know, details of what that means to someone. And also like most people don't give a shit anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, do you you have like a preferred way of where like, do you, do you like operating the camera a lot or do you? I kind of, um, embarrassingly really don't like operating the camera. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like it's like way cooler to be like a guy who or like a cinematographer who really wants to be on the camera all the time. But yeah. um but and it's more of sort of like the European sensibility a little bit, even though that's also not true. But um so I think for me, what I'm always trying to get to is like to a place where I'm just watching the movie while we're shooting it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so like I've I sometimes feel that like having to deal with the camera can like get in the way of me seeing from a distance. Yep. Like the way I that I would if I was watching it on a TV or in a movie theater. And so I'm kind of like I try to get as far away as I can. But then that's also dangerous because you can sort of like get too far away and then you're not really like you're not really like on it the way you should be. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's kind of a, a little bit it depends. Um and then like sometimes when I'm doing like commercials or like when it's like really handheld, um, then it is more important to get on there. And it feel like I can feel it, it feels good when I'm operating a camera. Mm-hmm. But like when I'm really working on something like I really care about, I kinda wanna be away or I wanna be next to the director. So I can be like feeling their reaction mm-hmm. as as I'm feeling it and sort of like communicating even without words about like what's working and what's not. Yeah. You know, it's in one of the most exciting moments when you're working is like a take is ending and like you know what to do to fix it and you both know what to do and you don't even have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a, such an important relationship. Well, I don't want that. I don't want this to end. Yeah. <laughs> so many things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, you know, we we love your work. Thank you so much for being on. Um, well, Thank have, you for having me. For sure. Um, we will um, have all you know links and stuff and things. Yeah. That, so as if people don't know who you are, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, is there and uh, is there anything that you're going to be working on that you want to? mention or no man this is uh this pandemic thing is really uh, slowed things down but um yeah no i just did a i just did a commercial remotely for the first time oh which is quite an interesting interesting experience (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know we just shot in arkansas chicago and la and i was just sitting at my desk in my house the whole time um oh wow so that was like a whole that's gotta be weird yeah but um, it's you know it's new. <laughs> it's the new norm. You're gonna sit home and make movies like uh, what's it, David Sandberg? <laughs> that guy's awesome. Yep. We'll just start filming in our houses. Yeah. Do what you got to do. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much, Jody, for being on, and uh, we look forward to your work. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All and right. we may annoy you next time you do something, so be prepared. <laughs> please, please do. I have your contact. Yeah. <laughs> please do. All right, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. So, um, that was Jody Lee Lipes. Huge, huge shout out. We'll have all all his links and, and things below in the show notes so you can check out his work because it's I'm pretty still, amazing. Still emotionally recovering. If you haven't seen... I know this much is true. What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on with you? Um, yeah. I was like, don't fangirl, don't fangirl, don't fangirl. And then we stopped recording and then we fangirl. Yeah, and we're like, <laughs> oh my God, we love you. Um, well, you know, just because it's like, I don't 
don't know, you, you know, some like some we listen to some podcasts and stuff. And I always wonder, like, are you actually a fan of this person's mm-hmm. work or, you know, is it like the, the yeah. obligatory like, oh, great work. Love your stuff, whatever. Well, no, but, that's something we've always kind of I don't want to say prided ourselves on, but something that's very important to us is that, you know, we're not having people on just to have them on. You know, we're having people right. on that we genuinely like i you know i literally just... we watched this show mm-hmm. and i said i want to know who the dp was and then i looked him up and then i was like oh i've seen his work before <laughs> you know? yeah. um and i was like this is amazing and now i'm gonna watch everything that he does mm-hmm. uh so and then with you know, the director derek who is amazing as well so mm-hmm. it's just like when it's, i want to talk to this dp i want it i want it to happen okay and, um yeah he was really cool about it. his publicist was awesome was super easy mm-hmm. um no egos love that yep just talking to us little folk about yeah about films you little you little you little guys you want to talk about we're, we're little stuff. guys that's okay yeah. it's all right maybe all we'll right. be the big guys soon who knows yeah. never know um Next okay. week is going to be, you know, uh, who knows? It's, I don't know. It's a free for all. We'll see. We've been watching a lot of stuff and just kind of yeah. sp- spreading it out. Yeah. Um. So shout outs to MoGraph. Yep. MoGraph.com. Mo- MoGraph.com. And to uh, Reality Bomb Comic Cast, Steady Geekin, Mega Brain Comics, Not Up for Debate, uh, Perry, yeah. just everybody. Everyone who listens. And again, as always, if you have a film, if you if you've made a project, director, actor, whatever you do, uh, and you want us to reach out, give it a gander, reach out to us. Instagram's the best place. Yeah. To reach out. That's usually what that's what I prefer. Yeah. If you or, you know, you can email us too. I don't care. Go grill a film at gmail dot com. Yeah. I don't know why I always kind of default to Instagram. I just Yeah. I've had the best luck on Instagram, so yeah. I'm just kinda I just kinda go with that. <laughs> well you're dealing with a visual art, so most people probably, you know, deal with Instagram being that it's yeah. more visual based I kind have of social a network. Plethora of people that I've reached out to on Instagram that it's just it just that message is just sitting there. Oh yeah, me just too. But pending and they're just never gonna get to it and I know yeah. that. But then every once in a while Something like know. this happens, yeah. and I message Jody, Jody Lee Lipes, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, here, yeah. reach out to my publicist." And I'm like, well, "Okay, <laughs> like just like that," and you get to talk about awesome stuff. Yep. So uh, we'll have all the links and check out his work. And if you have any questions for us, reach out. Reach out. Be safe out there. If you are in the city areas that are getting bombarded by fireworks, so sorry. Oh, we're for so you. sorry. That has got to suck. We're getting a little bit of that here. Yeah. But it's also, true. you get that in June with 4th of July. So, yeah, I mean, that's true too. But we're not, it's not interrupting our sleep. Yeah. Like so many it's, people. It's like, yeah. I would, be like, in a, I would be in a straitjacket. I don't know how you guys are doing it. Yeah. God um, bless you. Hopefully that should end soon because that's ridiculous. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we will see you next week. Um, we'll talk to you. Wait. Bye.